When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 2 Podcast. This might be college football, heaven. Of the weekend, more of your phone calls right now, and uh, let's get to Harry up next in New Orleans. Uh, Hello, Harry. Hey, Paul. <clears throat> Thank you for taking my call today. Thank you. Uh, Paul, I had a couple of quick questions, if I might, about Coach Jackie Sherrill. Uh, Paul, if you were speaking somewhere and uh, the topic was SEC football coaches past and present, my first question is, uh, what what would you say briefly about Coach Sherrill? And secondly, I'm, I'm just curious, was, was the University of Alabama ever interested in hiring Coach Sherrill from the time he started coaching uh, up until he retired as head coach at Alabama. And I'll hang up and listen, Paul. Yeah, Thank uh, you. I, I would say he's uh, really one of the best coaches uh, of his era. Um, he opened the door for what we currently now have 40 years later with the big salaries. When he went from Pittsburgh to Texas A&M, um, I think he was, this was uh, exactly 40 years ago, he was uh, paid – about $350,000 a year. That, that would now get you uh, probably the team manager. Um, he was, I believe he was offered the Auburn job one time. Uh, he was considered at Alabama. And uh, I believe he, uh, he probably, I'm trying to think of the circumstances. He, ju- he had just taken the A&M job. So it's interesting to see whether or not he would have been a, a serious candidate to replace Bryant. That would have probably been his best shot. Uh, the next time it came around, uh, he was well situated at A&M, and after that, it probably was uh, not going to happen. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Jimmy the Cop is up next. Hi, Paul. I just got a quick comment about Tennessee and then something else. Okay. There's an old adage, whenever a program gets too good, too quick, the phone calls start coming in from other programs and other people. I, I predicted this a year ago that that this, this was going to happen to Tennessee. Okay. And the other thing I have to say is uh, I really respect the comment that Kurt Herbstreit made today, talking about how the, the whole situation is swirling, swirling out of control. And it's a powerful statement coming from him, because along with you, the two most biggest names in college football, to make that statement. Well, Jimmy, great to hear from you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Daryl uh, is up next in Baton Rouge. Hey, Paul, good afternoon, man. How you making out? Daryl, what's happening? Oh, not much, man. Still fighting through that rehab after knee surgery, but oh, it's man. going good. You, well, I'm glad to you hear were that. right about hanging there with that physical therapy. You were right. Thank you. Um, what I wanted to talk about today is I'm confused. I thought that was a real good interview with Ross Dallinger. Yeah. But I walked away with it 
with a lot more questions than I did answers. He covered so many good points that I'm kind of less for Okay, well, let me, uh, not that I'm an expert on anything, but uh, let me know, what can I help you with? I'll, I'll give it a shot. Well, I, I just don't know. What are the two conferences going to get together and try to do? I mean, are, we go, are they going to try to walk away from the NCAA, or what's, what's the okay. prime mission of the well, two conferences? Uh, here's, uh, here's what I uh, – it's a good question. Uh, I don't think that is the uh, ulterior motive. I think, I think the first motive, Daryl, was to form an alliance of power. Uh, bo- both conferences uh, are, are – can, can go on without the other one. But I think when you put these two together, uh, you've got the block cornered. And it's about the NCAA. It's not about anything else. It's about inf- influencing where, where the NCAA goes next, particularly with legal issues, NIL, antitrust, all the things that, that are going on right now. And I think what they're trying to do, uh, it's not as if that, well, I, I frankly, don't want to speak for them, but there is a, there is a distrust of the NCAA. It's not a it's not a particularly competent organization. It's bureaucratic. The they like the new president more than they like the old president, but he's still a politician. So I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. essentially a lobby. Uh, it's a lobby of uh, let's say uh, I mean why why do airlines have a a collective lobby where one where a group an association represents Delta and American. Right. This is essentially what that is. I mean, instead of the SEC commissioner going by himself and the Big Ten commissioner going by himself to meet Uh-oh. with uh, the president or the congressional leaders, they're going to go together. Uh, and, and you don't really need anybody else. Uh, I think that's a, that's the simplest way of putting it. Yeah, well, that sure helps me out a lot, Paul. That sure helps me understand it a lot clearer. Um, you're right. It's just going to try to form a lobby against the NCAA. Well, not against them, well, but, but to work uh, with them. Like, what, did, uh, what did Ross say? The commissioner, the two commissioners met last week with, with Charlie Baker, the president. And, you know, if Charlie Baker wants to go rogue, uh, these guys can put him out of business. Yeah, I get it now, Paul. Okay. It makes sense to me now, man. Well, I'm glad it you called here. Good luck with your uh, recovery. Uh, I mean, I, 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 at some point soon, we'll talk to the commissioner um, and, and get him to explain. But, but essentially, I mean, there are critical issues going on. And I, I'm, not, I'm not lessening the importance of Florida's case or FHU's case with the NCAA or Tennessee's case. But ultimately, these guys uh, want to go to the NCAA and say, listen, uh, let's solve the big problems. You don't need to be going door to door trying to uh, put everybody in harm's way because what, what what's Tennessee done that everyone else isn't doing? I mean, we had Kevin Steele. I don't know, maybe some of you weren't with us at the end of the show last night. It's the first interview he has done. He's the he, a month ago he was just uh, he was just he was the defensive coordinator at Alabama, and he he said he took us inside of homes where he had been recruiting as recently as four or five weeks ago. And players have their hand out. And he said, if we don't give it, somebody else will. Everybody is giving, everybody's out there breaking the rules. They're trying to, find, they're trying to solve that issue. And uh, with, the, with the power of those two conferences, they got a better chance of getting it solved than everybody standing up and down and screaming bloody murder like we saw 
and have seen. John is in Johnson City, Tennessee. Hello, John. Hey, Paul. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Mr. Farmer. I'm a first-time caller. I really appreciate all that you're doing for. Uh, Thank you. You know, kind of letting us know what's going on behind the scenes and keeping us up to date. But appreciate that. I have I have one question, or actually a question in two parts. If the NCAA was to uh, disband, and then you had the two power conferences really take over, how would they enforce the rules, and how would they regulate NIL? Thank you. Yeah, John, thank you very much. I mean, I, th I think the, the NIL issue is, 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 is where they are right now. They're trying to get that uniform. They're trying to get that uh, with a federal law, which maybe they'll do, maybe they won't, but that's their goal. Uh, and they're trying to get an antitrust exemption, so they're, they're not in court every week fighting uh, all these different entities. The enforcement part is tricky. Uh, I don't care who, I don't care what organization you have, uh, you need to have some, some regulations. And I don't think, knowing the commissioner, uh, I know Commissioner Sankey, uh, I don't know Commissioner Petiti, I know some of the other commissioners. There's not a one who, who wants to uh, have rogue, rogue schools. They care very much about uh, following rules and and, and having a check and balance. So n nobody, uh, nobody's really suggest. I mean, I know the Tennessee folks this week, I think it was the athletic director said, well, everybody's doing it. You're not gonna hear a commissioner say that. Uh, they, they look at a much broader and bigger and more intellectual picture than some AD. Uh, and ultimately there has to be, there has to be a check and balance. Uh, you, you don't want one school shattering the rules while the rest of them are trying to abide by them. You, you wouldn't want that in any organization, uh, in any business, in, in, any, uh, in any kind of entity. Let's take a break. More to come. We'll get some more reaction to what's been going on today from a few more opinion makers right after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted Hims subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. 
Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. Welcome back. More of your phone calls. We'll talk to uh, Connor O'Gara a couple of minutes from now. We'll get his take on what's happened today with the, the Big Ten and the SEC. How about Gary up next in South Carolina? Hello, Gary. Hey, Paul. <clears throat> Proud to be on your show. Thank Been you. Been waiting for a long time. First time caller. Wonderful. Thank you. So I get check check something off my bucket list. Well, that is great. I kind of wanted to talk about Caden uh, Proctor in Tennessee a little bit. Okay. Everybody for the last, all this week has been down on Tennessee because somebody gave Nico a plane ride wherever, but right. yet in early October, you got uh, a coach from Iowa making contact with a signed player at the University of Alabama. There used to be a rule, and whether it's still there or not, when you go into that no-contact time frame, you're not allowed to talk to an, a a player-to-be or a player, period. So what is the difference? I, I, I am really at a loss for this. We're, we're well, talking you, about, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because there's no question uh, Iowa – shattered whatever rule that is uh to get him but back it's not a level three it's not a level three thing if the given an airplane ride is a level one why is the level three for somebody that's already enrolled in a school not a level one also that's part just and i'll be quite honest with you an alabama fan born and raised in gadsden alabama but Proctor did not turn out the way, or at least in his first year, as everybody expected. He missed more blocks than. Well, no, I mean uh, he, he was uh, he was absolutely dreadful at the beginning of the season. He he got he got a lot better as, as he grew up, which is understandable. Um, I I don't know what went into that. I mean he was obviously uh, from Iowa and nearly went to Iowa. I have no idea why anybody would go to Iowa. Do you? Well, no, I was reading a post that he made, and it said that uh, the reason he went to Alabama was that he uh, he was at the point of signing with Iowa, and uh, like six or seven days before he did, he went to Alabama and seen what they had to offer and thought that, that would make him the best that he could be and make his future be better down the road. That part I understand, and I'm not complaining that he's gone. I really didn't like him in October and didn't like him in uh, January. But as far as Tennessee's concerned, they're getting crucified over something that happens to every school day in and day out. And you're going to turn around and tell me that uh, a coach talking to a player at a school that's on a roster playing every week is a level three violation? No, I, listen, Gary, I agree with you on that, and uh, I, I don't uh, – that's in that – that is – it's not gray, but that's in that area where the – by the time the NCAA gets around to that one, uh, we'll have a new system. Thank you very much for the call. It's great to hear from you. And let's uh, check out Chris, who is in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. 
Hey, Paul. Happy Friday. How are you? Thank you. you. We're doing great. Well, I got to tell you, I feel pretty fortunate. I I hope with other callers, you know, that old saying, may we live in interesting times. I I think (laughs) I think this last week has proven that. But uh, I just wanted to raise the question and, and feel free to hear your thoughts about it. Um, after seeing how Florida State fans acted after being left out, the fact that the ACC and Florida State has no place at the table of the discussions with the Big Ten and the SEC right now, how, how on a scale of one to uh, insanity, uh, how do you think they'll be about this? Uh, I, I think the, 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 the ACC probably uh, feels left out at the moment, wouldn't you think? Uh. But uh, well, I, I think they and the Big Twelve or Big Eight yeah, or whatever no, the I, heck they yeah, are. This is anymore. just a wild guess here. I think the Big Twelve is probably closer to getting in the club than the ACC. But yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, you can't be as I mean, Florida State has really done damage to that league. And they did. They because, did. I mean, it's a good league, uh, and I mean, the ACC took in the three schools, SMU, California, and Stanford, not because I think they really wanted them, because they knew that they had a couple of recalcitrant members, notably Florida State, who at some point will be out of the league. So they were just trying to protect their flank. And they weren't doing it to to have better competition. You probably already know this. They were were doing it to protect their television contract. Yeah. Well, and you know, and that's the thing, I guess, when, when all that happened, and even in the Big Ten, I think – that got that got squelched pretty quick, but I think you know even though within the SEC, hey, you know we I don't, I don't like any other team in the in the SEC actually, right? But outside of I, I I damn sure like them better than any other league, right? I don't want another league, you know, getting advantage over the SEC from that perspective. Right. And I think you know Florida State went scorched earth, and I think I, I think they they really damaged the ACC in ways that we hey. By the way, you you just yet. you broke another code here that's really interesting, and, and you know, everybody keeps asking the question. Okay, let's say FSU gets unentangled, and and at some point they will, yep. whether uh, at whatever cost it is. Uh, where are they going? Uh, are they going? You, you think they're yeah. going to the, the Big Ten now? Uh, why would the Big Ten nope. want them? No, you've got to have something to bring to the table. And the, yeah. the last thing you want to be is a troublemaker, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> right. It, it's no different than anybody trying to get a job somewhere or trying to get a, a, right. a, a, a position somewhere. If you're a troublemaker, you're more trouble than you're worth. And, and right now, now, now Chris, there are, there are state, some professions when you could be a troublemaker, let's say entertainment and get away with it. You can't, <laughs> but not in, not no. in this. I mean, we're talking about higher education uh, this is a yep. very unusual group of people, and Florida State did. I mean, the, 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 I, I don't think you could devise a, a, a dumber plan than they had. And now they're ma- they're doubling down by suing the ACC. Yeah, at, at the worst possible time, right? When when everything could be opening up and the and the game changing anyway, and all they have done is all they did was cut their like I said earlier yeah. this year, they just cut their nose off to spite their face and, without and even Chris, really that was after the what, ACC commissioner went way out on a limb to defend them yep. uh, for yep. not getting in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I give Jim Phillips credit. I mean, he he he, he did his yep. job, but. Uh, well, they they, they yeah. thanked him by literally uh, slamming him within a week or two of, of, of with with that lawsuit. 
yeah, I, I don't know where the heck they would go. I guess they might. I mean, uh, the only path I would see for them is is try to become an independent, and that would be a massive no, failure on you, their you, part. You, you, right? They, you need, can't a, do they that. need a league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean Notre Dame uh, can be an independent and, and just barely. Uh, Florida State yeah. would, would die on the vine as an independent. Yeah. The, well, at, at the end of the day, right, and this is what we've said for years, I, I argue this all the time with my family who are all, all Big Ten fans, right, Ohio State fans, is that you can't just decide by fiat, okay, this is who we're sending, right? If you're not improving the level of competition within your league, you're going away. That happened to the Big 12, right? I mean, where Texas decided they were going to run everything in the Big 12, and look what happened to that league, right? It's just, it, it's not sustainable. And I, I think that, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of ADs and a lot of, of, of administrators really need to be thinking long and hard about what does it need to look like? What do we want it to look like as far as how are we raising the level of competition while protecting the student athlete? And if that's not the top two things in their minds, then whatever comes next, you know, either a new NCAA 2.0 or something else, it's going to be a failure again. Great call. Thank you very much, Chris. We're heading to a break. We have uh, more guests to come. Busy afternoon with the Big Ten SEC news. We also had Rick Barnes. Connor O'Gara, we'll get his thoughts on the Big Ten. A couple other issues that he uh, has some pretty strong opinions on, and he will join us next. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back. Uh, A lot happening today. As we mentioned, uh, the big story came uh, with this new cooperative agreement between the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, It was announced earlier today that commissioners Greg Sankey and Tony Tony Petiti will form a, an advisory group that will help them navigate. A lot of people are looking beyond what that means. Everyone knows that these are the two most powerful conferences in college athletics, uh, and now the fact that they are on the same page, many, many believe is quite significant. We'll get uh, Connor O'Gara's reaction to that and many other issues. Uh, this is uh, just a couple hours old now. SEC Big Ten Uniting, and Connor O'Gara is joining us. Connor, thanks for the time. Appreciate it very much. Your uh, reaction, what does all this mean to you? It means a lot. It means, it means that we have a new alliance. It means that we have the two biggest powers in college football uniting and saying, hey, this probably shouldn't continue this way. I mean, if nothing else, hopefully that puts two people 
or two powers in a room to be able to say, let's let's actually look out for everybody's best interests as the two who are gaining the most financially from this new era of college football. I think that's a positive as to whether or not they can actually do this without a true college football commissioner and they can enact the change that everyone can sort of agree on is for the betterment of the sport. I think that's a different discussion entirely, but I'll tell you what, it's better than what we were at a few hours ago in which everybody's kind of freaking out. Skies falling, coaches leaving left and right. So I'll take that as a, a slight win on this Friday for college football. Connor, uh, getting a little deeper into this conversation, uh, what do you what do you think it does mean though in relation to the NCAA's future? And I realize we're at the embryonic stages, but a lot of people think this is one of those seminal moments that years from now we'll look back look back on. I think it means the NCAA's days of governing college football are very much numbered. But let's let's be clear: they've been numbered from the moment they sent out a press release in 2021 wherein they announced that undergraduates would have immediate eligibility, one-time exemptions for immediate eligibility. And they said in their own release that they were overwhelmed. That was the word that they used, overwhelmed by the waiver process with the transfer portal. And they did not anticipate having to answer to so many cases. The second that they told the American public that, the floodgates were open, and that's kind of the beginning of what got us to this current point, because that's before NIL. That's before we got to this place where we have universities that are at odds with the NCAA about what's enforceable, what's not. And when they told us that, that opened up a, a different set of problems for college football because they weren't prepared to handle it. And when they let us know that, they said, hey, it's going to take somebody else to govern this sport. We're going to get to that place where eventually somebody else is going to govern this sport. I hope the media contracts that we're going to agree upon in the latter half of this decade will take care of that new governing body and take care of student athletes, whatever you want to call them, as a whole. But right now, this is just the beginning of the end for the NCAA. Yeah, and on the same subject, uh, slightly different slightly different location, uh, the, the, uh, the big news out of Tennessee this week, uh, where Tennessee took a, a dramatically different approach than they had done three years ago. Your reaction to what the chancellor and subsequently the athletic director had to say there? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense when you consider the approach three years ago was try and get out of paying Jeremy Pruitt was at $13 million and instead be able to, to fire him with cause, you will cooperate with the NCAA when that is part of the game plan. Now, I think the difference, obviously, with what we're looking at now and the, the, the money that's been exchanged with NIL and why Tennessee is fighting back so strongly from all of those important people in that building is because they have a legitimate case. They have a legitimate case against the NCAA to say, hey, you can't pretend that these rules were in place and that everybody was adhering to this and we are now in a position where we feel like we can legitimately push back on you if you actually try and lay down the hammer as you say that you're going to, because this can have negative impacts if we just sit here with our, 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 you know, like on our hands, pretending like this is all just fine. This can impact you, obviously, with, with National Signing Day, trying to wrap up this class, what you're trying to do in the transfer portal. I, I think Tennessee taking this strong approach and seeing the, the strong statements from Danny White, from Donnie Plowman, uh, is a sign that, that schools are willing to fight back, and there's going to be more of them that are going to continue to do this if the NCAA is going to try and pick and choose which schools that they're going to go after. We're chatting with Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. Uh, away from the NCAA for a second, actually dealing with college football, 
so many things happened this week that we really have barely mentioned the story. You had a column the other day, Connor, about DJ Durkin. Uh, the headline got yet another uh, SEC defensive coordinator job, which continues to baffle me, that we're showing on the screen the welcome to him. He, uh, he was a head coach at Maryland. Everybody or most everybody remembers the story. A player died on his watch, a lot of controversy. He ended up going to Ole Miss. He later went to A&M, and now he is at Auburn. So uh, what continues to baffle you, Connor O'Gara, about this? Paul, I think you and I have been around this business enough to kind of understand when we talk with people, when we look at someone, even from afar, where we can kind of tell why they're in the position that they're in. And with DJ Durkin, I don't think that he's a bad football coach by any stretch of the imagination. But in the premier conference in college football, to think that this guy has had four different coveted SEC defensive coordinator jobs, all while this this Maryland scandal, which if you want to go read up on it, you can Google Jordan McNair. You can go read the 192-page report that followed per ESPN's own investigation into the program that happened after the death of Jordan McNair during summer conditioning. Like You can see all this stuff that's out there. What's amazing to think is that since that has happened, he has gotten three defensive coordinator jobs as a guy who, as I've been told, is a very average defensive coordinator in this conference. The best defense that he has had by far during this time post-Maryland has been the, the first year that he had at A&M. And that was a, a group that the previous year was number three in the country in scoring defense. And obviously they lost a lot of talent. But the very next year, when they're 10th in the country in Bill Connolly's percentage of returning defensive production stat, they got worse. And they were a liability at times. I mean, they allowed, what, 39 points per game against AP top 25 finishers during that best year that he had at Old Miss. They allowed 31 points per game against AP top 25 finishers during those two years that he had at A&M. I just don't think he's unbelievably good at his job. And now I've heard good things about him when he's within that building. He's not just a yes man in the way that some might think, but I still am kind of scratching my head going, what are the credentials here that he continues to get these jobs? When I think there are people like Trey Scott that are rising up in the sport that should be given opportunities like this and we're not seeing it. So let's drill down even more beyond him. I don't want to uh, dismiss uh, your, your premise there, but, but Hugh Freeze uh, has almost had a complete overhaul. That's on top of a, of a, let's be honest, a disastrous end of the season, uh, losing to New Mexico State, just, just absolutely finding a way to give away the biggest game of the year against Alabama at the end. And then uh, an equally embarrassing, if not shameful, performance in the bowl game, which he acted like I was kind of busy uh, recruiting, which he has done a pretty good job of. So what, what, what are we to make out of not Hugh Freeze as a coach, but Hugh Freeze's decision-making as a head coach? Yeah, you're right, and, and you hit on it, because I think there are things that Hugh Freeze has done that I really like. I, I love the moves that he made in the portal going into year one. I thought he really elevated the floor of their roster. If he doesn't make those portal moves, they're not playing in the postseason. They're, they're just absolutely not. They're without a bull burst for the second consecutive year. And I love the job that he's done recruiting at the high school level. They needed an influx of talent at the wide receiver position, especially he's really done a good job of being able to assess that very specific roster need. But as a whole, it kind of makes me wonder, is he looking at his two predecessors and going, buddy, I better figure this out soon because the guy who had his job before him, we know how that turned out with Brian Harson, who post year one fired in the middle of year two on Halloween the guy before that, Gus Malzahn, got paid what was at the time the richest buyout in the history of college football for a head coach. 
$21.5 million. I wonder if he's looking up and he's panicking a little bit and he's realizing, man, this is not the place I thought it would be. I, I thought Auburn coming into the year had a chance to be that offseason good vibes team and, and had a chance to return a ton of that production. Maybe they win seven, eight games and we're feeling really good about who they are going into this next era of the SEC. And instead, they replace both coordinators. You're scratching your head at the quarterback position, wondering what in the world the long-term plan is there, and going, man, I just don't see that path to relevance. And that, I think, is the more troubling thing, despite the fact that Hugh Freeze, I think, has done some good things there that were very much needed on the planes. Connor, we, we really haven't spent much time about the next season. I realize we're, it's Groundhog Day. Uh, but uh, you're, you're part of a group that never stops looking ahead. Uh, as we look past the Auburn story and some of the other ones that we've talked about, what are your early thoughts on next season? How about an off-the-radar um, and, and kind of a close-to-home one? Uh, the development this morning that my personal doppelganger, Liam Cohen, <laughs> is going back to the NFL, um, and that he's going to be the OC of the Tampa Bay Bucks. apparently nothing official just yet on that front, but that's been the, the target. They have reportedly zeroed in on him. I believe it was NFL Network who reported that first. That's maybe the biggest coordinator loss in the SEC if it happens, because – while this, this, I think this Kentucky offense, we can all admit, was disappointing. I think Liam himself would admit that it was disappointing. You still look at where they were at with Rich Scangarello, and you kind of look up and realize, oh, they actually improved by nine points per game. And against AP Top 25 finishers, I think they were like 11 or 12 points better per game, yards per play, efficiency, all that stuff. Like Kentucky fans have seen what it looks like without Liam Cohen. And sandwiched in between that Rich Scangarello year was two years of actually competent offenses. Now they turned the football over, the running game, wasn't utilized in the way that they had hoped, and, Le- and Devin Leary didn't turn out to be the quarterback that they thought he was going to be, but it, he still was a net positive. And if they lose him and if they have to go back to the well yet again, new offensive coordinator for, what, the fourth consecutive year? I mean, fifth consecutive year, I guess that would make it. That would be a really, really tough thing for Mark Stoops. So that's one thing that I definitely have my eye on that maybe not a lot of people nationally are too focused on. That's why we lean on you, Connor, to come up with the, 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 the least obvious thing. But you're right. That is a dramatic development. We alluded to it earlier, but uh, there's also some speculation about Ryan Grubb. But I don't want to hit the panic meter yet. Uh, we don't know any more about that story. Connor, great to have you on. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Connor O'Gara from Saturday down, down south on a very busy day. Didn't expect it. Today looked like a quiet Friday afternoon. In early February, it has been anything but. We take a short break. Your phone calls right around the corner. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Back on a Friday afternoon, and Jerome is up next in Chicago. Hey, Jerome. How you doing, Paul? Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you very much. You do great work. But what I'm talking about is I've been listening to you talking about the NCAA. They are a joke, and they've been a joke. And what they did with this last college football playoff, 
is a crime in America, if not the world. They put the fix in, and so you can't help but end up with a mess. They did not like Harbaugh, and they wanted Nick Saban in Alabama to go to the game so bad, they cheated the kids from Florida State and Georgia. Alabama had no business being there. They never should have beat Auburn. So what they do is because Texas had beat Alabama, they couldn't put Alabama in without putting Texas in. So the fix was in. They put Texas and Alabama in. They left Georgia and Florida State out. Florida State had done everything that they were supposed to do. They won every game and their championship game and were undefeated. No power team in the history had ever been left out. But they did it to those kids. And then you guys want to get mad at Florida State for how they reacted because nobody had ever been cheated like that before. So they did not professionally, unprofessionally knew what to do. And then to make the cake, all the pronosticators at ESPN and you and all the guys say, well, you know, they didn't want another. The quarterback was out and all this one. Paul, I thought the purpose for college ball was for let the kids decide. If I could join, jump in here for one second, I, I appreciate your call. The, the purpose of uh, college football is to try to establish the best team at the end of the year. And I, I'm no longer arguing the Florida State case because it really just doesn't matter to me. They, they lost by 150 to Georgia, and I'm done with that subject. They, they can go to court. Sue me. Uh, Fred is up next in Franklin, Tennessee. Hello, Franklin. Uh, hello, Fred. Hey, Paul, thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Uh, Listen, I just wondered if the NCAA and National Football League coaches don't realize that we can read their lips when they're sitting out there and yelling and screaming at their players and at their refs. Uh, You know, boy, they've got foul mouths. Well, that, uh, that is, uh, Fred, uh, if you go back to uh, high school ball and college ball, it, it, that's always been uh, the norm. I'm not saying uh, I would do it. I don't know what I would do if I, you know, if I, was, if I were a coach, uh, but I, I'm, I'm not sure there's a solution to it. Well, I understand that, but, you know, these guys, the whole country is watching them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole country doesn't talk that way. I don't know. I, uh, I I saw the president of the United States talking about the previous president yesterday somewhere, and he used an expletive to describe him. I don't know. I think a lot of people are talking like that. I'm, I mean, we may not be, but other people are. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, Jace is in Augusta, Georgia. Hello, Jace. Hey, Paul. I want to bring up a couple things today. Um, you know, uh, Mike Martin passed yesterday. Yes, sir. Um, I actually had a had an opportunity. I, I live in Tallahassee for twelve years and had an opportunity to meet him in a grocery store. Um, he was behind me, um, in line, and uh, got to have a little conversation with him. And you know, he's won more games. Than anybody in uh, in yeah, I mean he, he, he was winning his coach in uh, in college baseball history, an absolute right. legend. Uh, and, passed away. And yesterday. I wanted to, I wanted to re- Carl, Carl Weathers passed today too. Um, you know Apollo Creed. Carl Weathers is the former yeah. heavyweight champion of the world, isn't he? 
Well, I mean, he he he, he, he was in Rocky, <laughs> but you know, he but, lost but like the title said, to Rocky I mean, Balboa. Yeah, uh, he pa- uh, he passed today too. Yeah, so he did. That was, that was I just a big, wanted to bring up those two things. I'm glad you mentioned that. Now, right, Carl Thank just you, man. Uh, passed away call. a couple of couple of minutes ago. That was, it was just announced. Uh, obviously, when you're you're in one of the most famous sports movies of all time, uh, you are going to be remembered fondly. We are uh, at the halfway point of this program. No idea how it will be remembered, but uh, we will continue right after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast.